Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Okay, Megan Murphy, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Uh, maybe you could just take some time to yeah tell us a little bit about yourself. Just most of the people probably listening to my channel right now don't know who you are, so take your time there. And then... Radical feminist locked out of Twitter for what? Calling men, men, and women, women. Megan Murphy, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, tell us about yourself. Uh, so I'm Megan Murphy, and uh, I run a feminist website called Feminist Current that is Canadian-based, although it's, it's read globally. In fact, I think the majority of our audience is in the U.S., uh, and I've been doing that since 2012. I have been uh, also doing a feminist podcast called Feminist Current since 2012. Uh, I'm a writer and a journalist. I have a master's degree in gender, sexuality, and women's studies. And yeah, so that those are the basics. Why is Dave Rubin <laughs> looking for you? Pardon? Why is Dave Rubin looking for you? Uh, so, I mean, uh, I, about a few months ago, it became clear that somebody, I'm pretty sure I know who, was uh, targeting my Twitter account. So right now I have about, like, 20,000 followers. I've been tre- I've been tweeting critically about the, what I call transgender ideology, um, the idea of gender identity for some time now. This isn't particularly new. I probably started talking about it uh at least, you know two or three years ago um and this is a really controversial issue but yeah lately i've been getting locked out of my account for tweeting what i consider to be you know really basic statements or uh, really basic questions about this idea that you know it's possible for a person to literally change their sex or that it's possible to be you know born in the wrong body and Lately, so the last the last thing that happened that got Dave Rubin looking for me was uh, I tweeted that men aren't women. This was actually a tweet from last month. It was from October, I think. Um, from who? People have, these trans activists have just been searching oh. through my account looking for things to report and reporting them, and they clearly haven't in at Twitter, and so Twitter just blocks me out of my account. Um, and claims that it's for hateful content, but I find it pretty hard to believe that just the statement men aren't women is hateful. <laughs> and of course, there's no accountability on Twitter then, you know, like no. if I've appealed these these suspensions and, and being locked out a number of times, and I get, you know, like a forum response back that doesn't explain anything. It just kind of repeats the same thing, saying you broke Twitter rules, and I'm like, what is this rule? Like, is there a rule? I haven't seen any rule in your terms of, uh, in your terms that says that you can't say that men aren't women, or that you can't ask questions like, what is a trans woman? What's the difference between a trans woman and a man? No one can answer these questions for me ever. I've asked that question over and over and over again. How do you change sex? What is a trans woman? What does it mean to be transgender? You know, What's the difference between a male and a trans woman? And uh, nobody will answer. I just get accused of whatever. Well, that's the thing about Twitter. That's the thing about Twitter, right? They 
they accuse you of breaking the rules, but they won't tell you what the rules are. So it's pretty yeah one-sided there. So now you you kind of alluded when we when you start telling the story about uh, the spat with Twitter that the ideas were controversial. Just expand on that a little bit for me. What's the controversial about what you're saying? Or where's, well, where's, who's it saying controversial. it's controversial? <laughs> exactly. Who's saying it then? But, so what, but I mean, today, like this is such a recent trend, right? That even like, you know, five years ago, it would have been fine to say what I'm saying. I think even a few years ago, it would have been fine to say what I'm saying. But now you can't, you can't challenge that mantra, trans women are women. All progressive people, all leftists, all feminists are supposed to agree that trans women are literally women and that if a man declares himself to be a woman, no one's allowed to challenge that. And if you do challenge it, you're transphobic mm. uh, or what they call a TERF, which is an acronym for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. Uh, and I mean, the biggest part of the problem is it's like, if you want to think that, you know, a man can literally become a woman, then we can have a conversation about that. I mean, I have no idea how that's possible, but we can talk about it. But the worst thing about all of this is that you're not allowed to talk about it. Like, right. so the trans activists won't engage. They just, you know, platform us, like us meaning people who, <laughs> who challenge these ideas or ask these, these inconvenient questions. Like, what is a woman? <laughs> if a woman no, no longer has a definition, if a man can say he's a woman, what does that mean? Then it means nothing to be a woman, I guess, if it's not attached to having a female body. Um, but we can't even have the debate. You know, the Canadian media won't even acknowledge that this debate exists. Like, I have yet to be contacted by Canadian media about this issue, and yet I'm probably, like, the loudest voice in Canada, or, you know, if not the only voice, in Canada who's like on this issue you know like there's there's not really any other person on the left that I can think of who has the platform that I have who's saying what I'm saying in Canada and yeah I've seen that you picked up a decent amount of platform as far as getting some airtime for your ideas and uh, can you draw any parallels to similar uh, I want to want to say uh, almost similar truths that are being spoken now where people are being mobbed for saying it similar to the you know what you're saying you know are you are you sympathizing with any people that are you know saying their truth that are getting the same kind of treatment or um i don't know i mean they probably are maybe i'm just not following it closely but i'm sure that there's people on the right who would claim that similar things are happening to them i mean i do think that there is a problem on the left today where you're supposed to adopt certain ideologies and mantras and accept them unquestion unquestioningly. Um, one of the other issues that I've gotten attacked for and that there's been controversy surrounding, although not nearly this bad, is the issue of prostitution. So I, I'm opposed to prostitution. I don't think it's good. <laughs> I think it's good for women. I don't think it's good for society. I don't even think it's good for men. Um, but uh, if you're part of the labor movement now, if you're connected to the NDP now, our leftist party here in Canada, um, supposedly leftist party here in Canada, you have to be supportive of the full legalization of what they call sex work. And you're supposed to pretend that so-called sex work is harmless. Um, and if you say it's not harmless, if you say that it's exploitative, um, 
you know, that it reinforces male dominance, that it's abusive, that men shouldn't have the right to buy sex. And you'll also similarly, you know, I, 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 there was a big petition launched against me to have me fired from rabble.ca, which is a Canadian leftist uh, news magazine, I guess you could call it, that I used to work at. I did some editing work for them, and I, I wrote for them for a long time, and my podcast was over there. And these, what I call the pro-prostitution lobby, these people who uh, fight to legalize prostitution, um, started a petition against me to have me fired and no platform over my position on prostitution and because they were accusing me of transphobia because at the time I had challenged the idea that Laverne Cox posing nude in a women's magazine was empowering. You know, what a horrid thing to say. <laughs> So, but I think, you know, like I just, I see this happening on the left and it's really frustrating because I'm, I, I, I've been like a longtime labor supporter. I'm a socialist, I'm anti-capitalist, I'm a feminist, I support universal health care, I support social housing, I support universal daycare. Uh, but because I'm not going along with these positions that leftists are now supposed to take, they're trying to, well, blacklist me and turn me into a pariah and ensure that I can't, you know, make a living. Yeah, so I've kind of said this before. It seems like the left is kind of eating itself, and it looks, I mean, intersectionality, I don't even think it's a word, but it's its like the hottest term out there right now. It seems like the more oppressed or, uh, yeah, the the greater of degree of oppression, the more right you have to eat the people on your side, on the left, above you because of their... Uh, oh, what's the word? The privilege? They're privileged. So, yeah, I really feel like the left is kind of eating itself these days. And, hey, I'm a 10-time green, as we talked about earlier. Uh, you know, I, I, I agree with most of those things. You know, I'm kind of a lefty when it comes to health care, when it comes to certain things like wa water, like, you know, basic human rights. Uh, but then on the other side, it seems like these days the left is – are the ones that are coming to the campuses and saying, no, you can't say those things here. Um, you can't say that men and women are different. Um, you know, this whole idea that men and equal men and women are equal. I, I, I just think is ridiculous. We're not equal. We're so much different. It's unbelievable. Well, we're now, not the same. Right. And so I think that's like, well, which part makes of the us not equal. That you're supposed to be saying that, I mean, you don't have to you don't have to say that men and women are literally the same in order to fight for women's rights. No, and I, hey, I'm uh, anyone that's got a special woman in their life, I don't know, like a mother, <laughs> does not want them to be discriminated against or treated badly or provided or raped uh, or exploited or you know sexually harassed or whatever, right? Yeah, and we t totally get into that. But see, for me. The reason I came away, I say I didn't go away from the left, the left left me type of thing. That might be a Dave Rubinism as far as I'm normally a lefty, but lately, especially when it comes to free speech and this idea of, um, you know, free speech with C-16, you know, you can't mm -hmm. misgender someone or the next thing you know, you'll be before the Human Rights Tribunal, which is a kangaroo court all in itself. But you can't even believe you know, some of the things that go down, the due processes that's thrown out the window and, 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 you know, we can get into all that. But, I mean, it really feels like the left 
has kind of lost it when it comes to facts. You know, um, Bruce Jenner, um, he wants to be referred to, you know, to, he wants to be referred to as a woman now. But I mean, every cell in his body is coded as a man. Even if, even if he went through the full transition and and changed his parts, which he hasn't, and the and the left celebrates him as like woman of the year, and if you say, well, that's not really a woman, then you're transphobic. <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. Right, and I mean, I mean, also the thing is that it's like, what is the point of insisting that Bruce Jenner or whatever man we're talking about is a woman, like? He doesn't we don't need to pretend that he's literally female i mean if he wants to wear a dress then go for it if he wants mm. to wear makeup if he even wants to get a ton of like really complicated painful plastic surgery and like put himself on hormones for the rest of his life i mean i think those are pretty serious decisions to make for and an a adult pretty, make. like serious thing to do to your body but man if he wants to do it fine he can do that it doesn't make him literal female and why like why why is it important that we pretend that these men are literally women? Why does it matter? Why don't we just say, yeah, live your life. You shouldn't be discriminated against because you're a man in a dress or a man with long hair or a man in makeup. You should be able to do, you know, within limits what makes you happy in your personal life. But forcing everyone to go along with your delusion or your fetish is just crazy. Like, why do I, I have to lie to make you feel comfortable? Wow. That's awesome. That's uh, well, you summed up a lot there. Uh, tell me about your, um, you spoke to what, the Senate on C-16, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, I was uh, one of the only ones. <laughs> and so what drives you? What, what, like, I mean, for me, uh, in the earlier, when I, we had a short uh, conversation offline, I was telling you, like, free speech keeps coming up for me. Um, the left's uh, false narratives and a lot of them come from the feminists, and, and that's why you know I'm, I'm glad you took the time to talk to me today. Uh, the left has a bunch of like false narratives that they're perpetuating, and so I'm just, as a former lefty, I'm looking at these things and saying, not, not only do I not believe those things, but they're lies that they're perpetuating. And so what was your motivation to go before the hearings on C-16? Was it a free speech issue, or? Uh, well, to me, at that time, I felt that Bill C-16, so this, this gender identity legislation, was going to effectively trump women's rights. So if we start saying that a person's identity is more important than their biology, so we say, you know, like, if you feel like a woman on the inside, whatever that means, um, you're, a little, you're literally a woman, then that means that men also get to have access to women's spaces. So, like, women's change rooms, women's bathrooms, women's transition houses. Women's um, sports. Female prisons. Yes, yeah, sports. The sports thing is insane. This, this thing where men are now smashing the shit the out of women compete against women like geez there was a, a an mma fighter that broke a woman's skull yeah in a fight like 
I just, I don't get well, it. I this mean, guy's been like, a it's man his whole idea. life. It's like, are we really going to pretend that men's bodies aren't different? We know that men are stronger totally. in general. Right. You know, maybe not literally all men, but in general, Mostly, like, yes. men have different bodies. Like, there's denial of the fact that, you know, that, that bone density, they have bigger organs, right? Like, so their heart is Women have a bigger, higher like, fat they content. Have they're they're like muscles are different. Yeah. They're you know they're stronger than we us. They're taller than us. They have literally bigger bones than us. Upper body strength is way be- uh, bigger too. Now, did I a different see, center of gravity? You know, for sure. Uh, did I see somewhere um, that you were disputing the difference between men, men and women's brains? Did you say one time that you thought they were the same? Uh, I don't think that there's such a thing as a male brain or a female brain. Well, there definitely is. Um, just like there's, you know, male bones and male. I guess what I mean by that is that I don't believe that like a male brain, like size, like a, a man's brain is bigger than a woman's brain. Oh, I thought bigger. it was the opposite. Um, but uh, and you know, as far as like how we're wired, like I think that's pretty complex and not something that I'm necessarily an expert in. I'm not right. a neuroscientist, but like um. I I think that things like evolution have probably pay, played a role. I also sure. know that like people are shaped by the world around them. Like we're shaped by you know how we're raised in society, by socialization, by you know like all sorts of things. Um, but what I mean is that I don't believe that men, for example, are inherently less emotional than women. Or more rational than women. Like these are these common things. So when I talk about gender and gender roles, that's what I'm talking about. These sort of stereotypes and expectations of how women and men should be and what they are that I don't believe are true. Uh, things like, yeah, I, I I don't believe, and this is true in my personal experience being around men, that women are more delicate or more emotional or more irrational or necessarily less assertive than men inherently because of some kind of difference in, in their brain. Mm. Have you done any, are you familiar with the big five personality types? Uh, not really. Yeah. It's really interesting because I've been on a deep dive on trying to explain or understand, let's say, because, uh, hey, I'm no genius, but I am curious, intellectually curious. Like I, It just cannot consume enough information and the big five personality type really I mean men and women fall into you know pretty predictable categories on on the scale obviously we all have a little bit of everything but I've been on this information drive to kind of explain why the left and right is so different and the research and men and women because I think lately and you know what? You know when you say this is a really strange time we live in, but then you consider that, you know, for the last hundred or thousand years, I think every one of their time was, you know, had a propensity for saying, oh, these are weird times, man. So I think it like you always think that the times that you're in are kind of weird and they're changing too fast and, and, and all this kind of stuff. But I kind of found the answer for the left and right and the men and women just because we're born that way. We're, we fall into a, a temperament that's biologically determined. You, you mentioned evolution, absolutely, and by sex, where 
you know, just like men are have bigger upper body strength, you know, I don't know if they're, I would say that men are less emotional than women. I mean, they, oh, they me, even men, you don't know the same men that I know. Yeah. Oh no. And I am, Hey, <laughs> you should I, try dating my ex-boyfriends. I'm, I'm an emotional <laughs> guy too, but, and you talk about the, the norms of society forming who you are. Yeah. It's not cool. I, I love it when men cry. I think it's brave. I don't plan on trying it anytime soon, but you know, I have got choked up here and there. <laughs> but you know, women have uh, certain biological uh, needs and tendencies. One, men, okay. men don't have I, children, so they don't have that protective medicine, that protect to, that uh, that protection. You know, like men are at work the next day hand, handing out cigars. Like women have to stay with the child for 13 years. Yeah, I mean, once you have a baby, it. there's totally like biological things that are going to get you to feel attached to that baby and take care of it. Yeah, for instance, women would just be abandoning their baby. No, but for so instance, course, would you, if you give birth? Like, of course, yeah. you're going to be like bonded with that baby in a particular way. So, would you sure. agree with me? But then? all women aren't necessarily nurturing at their core. Like, I'm not a very nurturing person. I've never, I don't want to have a baby. I don't like babies. I'm not interested in it. And I mean, maybe I'm in a shame on you. But like, <laughs> but yeah, I you like nailed it right on the on the head. So, can we agree that after childbirth, uh, women naturally become more protective and see more threats out in the world because they have a baby to protect? Would you? Would you? Would you? I think that's possible okay. for sure. Yeah. Okay. And that's not a bad thing. No. I mean, yeah, I mean, of course, you, it's great for women to bond with their babies <laughs> and want to protect their kids. And, yeah, there's totally, like, biological reasons for that, obviously. Cool. Now. You want to keep your baby alive. Absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate your time. Megan Murphy's my guest. Oh, that's my radio guy coming on me. It says Megan Murphy right on the thing. You know who I'm talking to. Uh, just to make it light for a minute, we can get back into some uh, really heavy stuff, if you don't mind. I appreciate your time. i, I got to stop saying that. Um, I just looked at your Twitter to make sure that you're up and running. And down well, the, yeah, the account's there, but I can't get in. Yeah, I have right. no access to my account right now. I'm locked out. Well, it's because those lefty wing nuts are targeting you, obviously. But I saw it down in the corner, you know, where the uh, pictures come up, images. I think uh -huh. just let me go there. Something triggered me. It was like the, one of the most beautiful women in the world, and I can just see it. It's a tiny thumbnail. It's 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 a half inch high, and I can already tell it's Lisa Bonet. I mean, uh, oh my gosh! Oh, okay, I yeah, I can't right, right, right. Even gotcha. Tell you what that picture meant to me <laughs> years ago. <But> then, <laughs> so then, and I almost retweeted it before we came on, and I I probably will later. Um, who was posing? Who was who's beside her? I don't recognize the girl beside her. Her daughter. Pardon? Her daughter. Oh. Um, I can't remember her name, but it's the daughter of Lisa Bonet and oh, Lenny and, Kravitz. And okay. It was on the cover of. Rolling Stone. I, I wish I could look at my. <laughs> no, it's Rolling Stone. I'm looking at it right now for you. Yeah. I Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. Okay, so this isn't a photoshopped meme. This is actually this happened on, on Rolling Stone. I I, I didn't see it, but. Um, Lisa Bonet might have been pregnant in this picture, actually. I, I think she was, yeah. Okay, yeah. I thought maybe that might have been an urban <clears throat> legend. Ooh, good to know objectifying women stands the test of time. So innovative and groundbreaking, Rolling Stone. We've come a long way, baby. Hashtag. 
So now <laughs> I, I totally I hear where you're coming from, but like, where do we draw? Like, I look at this. This is a, so. What I'm criticizing well, beautiful. here, just There's, to this, be clear, what I'm criticizing here is this new idea where when women self-objectify and when women get naked on the cover of a magazine, suddenly it's really empowering because they chose it. So I think, like, in the past, in terms of feminism, feminism was critical of, like, pornification and objectification and the sexualization of women. So the presentation of women's bodies as things that exist to be looked at or to titillate. Um, and now, because of the third wave, I don't want to call it feminism because I don't think it's feminism. Third wave-ism, <laughs> own little brand of nonsense. Um, you know, they're they're putting forth this idea that, you know, like things like prostitution, things like pornography, uh, and, you know, objectifying is totally, is something that isn't, we can't criticize if a woman chose to do that because then we're, like, taking away their agency or something. And it's just, like... I mean, these are really like what I consider to be regressive, kind of old school sexist ideas that now we're supposed to be pretending are really revolutionary. And they're not. This is the same old shit. Uh, yeah, okay, so I get that. But, the like, I'm a man, obviously. I think like a man. I have, oh my God. Oh, if you if you could understand what we suffer from regarding testosterone, it, there's no way to I describe mean, what... Uh, I don't want to call it an addiction. It's 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 relentless, and and it hits us at different times of our uh, maturation, just like estrogen does with girls, right? Puberty, they get something, they get something to change their life, they get something. It, I mean, it's always fluctuating. Maybe not as drastically as women, but I can easily, I can just as easily look at that thing and go this picture that I'm looking at here. Now, take I don't know what it is about Lisa Bonet that drives me crazy, but I've always been a huge fan of the way she looked and that I hey I still have that magazine somewhere why not honoring the the woman like men are not beautiful to look at they're hairy they're hard they're stinky and uh that's well, just says you I mean I well, agree that you, most men are gross but <laughs> they are totally gross man and women are not they're soft and they're and there are a whole bunch of things. Uh, and I wanna... I just, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be attracted to women. I mean, that's not the argument. I'm not saying that anybody shouldn't find women beautiful or be attracted to women. But this, like, this thing where women should be primarily valued based on their ability to no, like not saying that. make I'm just men saying, hard is not an empowering thing for women. Like, it doesn't really offer women any kind of power in this world, not any kind of substantial power, and it's so fleeting. <sighs> Women are more powerful now than they've ever been. So the but, idea that it's empowering is what I'm challenging. I'm not challenging the fact that men like to look at those images. Of course, I know men like to look at those images, and lots of men have tried, have tried to explain to me what it feels like to be a man walking around in the world and be like turned on all the time. And I mean, I, I don't really experience that. I don't walk around the street like so, looking at men and like wanting to sleep with them or whatever, like random guys, right? I, so I'm not looking to change your mind on this, but. I'm trying to uh, just draw the uh, assertion that you could very easily look at both of these pictures and not see objectifying, but seeing honoring. I don't see it as honoring. I see it as like focusing on specific body parts, and I see objectification. You know, if it were, if it weren't just women that were doing this. If men were doing it also, then I suppose we could have a different conversation. But the fact that it is 
always like I don't think that I think that there are women in the world who do think that men's bodies are beautiful um and oh absolutely I'm just saying you know there's not many you know portraits of you know well beautiful men I guess maybe some statues or something Well, just because I think we live in a world where women are sort of like I said primarily valued based on their their looks and their their sexuality or their not even their sexuality, because I don't actually think their women's nudity necessarily has anything to do with their sexuality. I think it has to do with turning men on, but um, yeah. we're looking beautiful, we're looking sexy, um, but I just don't think it's a very useful thing for women. I don't think that it is empowering. I don't think that it um, helps women to be seen as full human beings who are deserving of respect and who are intelligent. I think that it prevents presents women as these like kind of empty vessels that exist to be looked at. Mm, I couldn't disagree more. You know what? I, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't find um, myself falling in line with the narrative or the idea that women are fragile and need to be protected. I mean, hey, horrible things happen to men and women all the time. Sometimes women, at a greater degree, because of their well, uh, because of their relationship to strength especially when it comes to sex or rape or something like that mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. you know I, I will not fall for this narrative that you know what we we're in the other side of it is is you know going back to the differences in, in the chemical balance uh, between men and women I don't think women understand um, the the sex urge of men like it, it's been stated, and you know, I just turned fifty years old. It hasn't faded for me. I mean, the testosterone makes you think of sex. It's got to be thousands of times a day, at least hundreds. Women don't suffer from that because they don't have that level. Well, some. I mean, women I think have, some women do, but yeah. like I know women who feel that they they do relate to that. But I think that you're probably right that most women. I mean, I don't experience that. Like I said, I don't think most of the women that I know experience that. No. And I have a lot of male friends. I've had lots of boyfriends who talk to me about this. So I do think that there is kind of something the different in terms of that libido. Yeah, oh, yeah. the slightest of images can set us off. And and, and you know, hey, I got. A lot of guy friends, and I think they have a hard time admitting, especially the single ones, that the slightest attention paid to them by a member of the opposite sex sends them into a world that they don't quite understand and not are normally used to. Because I don't think, you know, a a lot of guys, and I think that's why, you know, we have a little crossed wires sometimes with the idea that, well, she's hitting on me. No. She might like you. She might be enjoying yeah, the know, conversation that's with you. But me. The, I was like, but I was just trying to be friendly. No, no, no. <laughs> conversation but, with you, and the, now you think I want to date you. Absolutely, like the the smallest signal of of attention makes m- the majority of men go, "Hey, there might be something. There might be a chance here, or something." Blah blah blah. And um, anyways, now I'm starting to ramble. You should be talking more. Um, <laughs> uh, have you ever Great. seen, uh, I'd like to ask you if you've ever seen, um, Robert Bly, he's got, he's an eccentric white haired old poet. He's still alive. Um, 
Back in the seventies, <coughs> I think he did an interview with one of the sixty minutes um, hosts, and it was called a gathering of men. And I don't. Th I think he tried to distance himself, or maybe he accepted the fact that he was. You know, they talk about men's rights organizations and. His his take was that men feel displaced. They don't know how to act now because of the, it's coming. Um, you know their expectations are are coming at them from all sides, and they're always different. But the one thing that I found interesting is this idea that um, human boys, back when we were mostly in tribes, often and still the tribes that are existing on Earth, they still have the ceremony. You know. Um, first of all, the boy spends a lot of time on his mother's tit, for lack of a better word. Like they are, they're breastfed for a long time in the jungle, um, and that bond is really built. And at some point, the elders come for the boy, and they rip him from the mother, and they take him to an island for an extended period of time, and they basically initiate him. They they kill the boy figuratively. And he comes back a man. And, and his idea was is that, one, the industrialization when the, when the man went into the workforce, all he had for the family unit when he came home was like impatience and, and anger because he'd been at work for 12 hours a day in a coal mine or something. Um, and, that, and that boys and men... You know, because capitalism is oppressive, right? Okay, well, we'll get into that. But the, but the idea that when they stood in the field together, that there was this nurturing. Who work in a coal mine for 12 hours a day? Nobody. That's not going to make anybody happy. Jeez. No, for sure. But that this, <laughs> this, the, the idea that when they stood in the field together, plowing fields before the industrialization, before men were forced into the workforce, that boys were fed a nutrient just by standing beside his father, just by being with him. And now... Men go into the workforce, they come home, they're impatient, they don't have the time, they kind of snap, they're impatient, they're tired, blah, blah, blah. And that relationship has changed. And because of that, they've lost the elders in their, in their uh, mentorship group. And that this is why young boys... Yeah, and same thing for women. Like, I think that now, loss of, like, the fact that we don't respect our elders, that we don't spend much time with people who aren't in our own age group, right? Like, especially in uh, cities, like in urban places, um, it's like you spend all your time with people who are the exact same age as you for a really long time, and uh, women don't have, like, elder female, female mentors um to guide them or to learn from or whatever and it's a really 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 big loss and i'm sure you could say the same thing about men i've just thought about it in terms of women more often well and it's only i think it's we're only seeing the results of the same thing happening because women uh, they haven't been forced but they have been freed up let's say to enter the workforce in you know since the 60s and you know or 70s when birth control became reliable one that freed up women to you know make a career a priority if they wanted to um not all women want to it's perfectly natural to want to be a mother not all women want to but the idea was is that this is why young boys are mentored by gangs now because they lost the elders in their life but the boys lost the elders a long time before the girls lost their elders and i think if somebody tells a story about you know, the women all walking up the hill to do the laundry and singing and chanting and bonding and sharing 
sharing, you know, life experience and, and all this kind of thing. And it, it wasn't seen. It was just kind of their family obligation. The men were out hunting and gathering and killing things I mean, and dragging them back the I think the only thing they're set up right now is bad for men and for women. So mm. I think this nuclear family thing is bad. I think people feel really isolated. I feel like people don't have community. I feel like this mm. idea that it's like you're supposed to get married and move into the home and then your primary, your primary relationship is with your husband or your wife and then you're just kind of locked in this house that, with your little tiny family and isolated from the rest of the world. I that's mean, a great little And then segue. that you have to be at work five days a week, like yeah. eight to 12 hours a day. I mean, that's not, it's not good. Like, it's not a good setup. It's not healthy for people. It doesn't make people feel fulfilled. People feel tired and stressed and pissed off and exploited all the time. That's a great segue into the nuclear family. Um, we, you, you kind of hit on capitalism. I get it. I know the arguments against it. Uh, I disagree with them completely. Um, now I lost my train of thought. What was what did I say before that? Oh, um, well, I mean, talking about the nuclear family. Oh yeah, yeah. Capitalism. So, what's your? Would you? Can we agree? I told you kind of by text before we started here. I'm looking to gain some common ground because I I think that I can find all kinds of things to disagree with you with. First of all, capitalism, I think, is the most successful. Um, it's lifted more people out of poverty than anything else, and we can get into that in a little bit. But um, the idea that also the nuclear family, the triangle of mother, father, and offspring has been a pretty successful setup for a long time. And I think that... I think it's know, a successful setup because of capitalism, so we have no other choice, right? Because a woman needs a man around. If she's going to be at home taking the care of the kids, then who's going to pay the rent? Like, it's a setup where people are trapped. And then, then if a woman wants to leave a man, if he's abusive or she's, you know, oppressive or she just doesn't like him anymore, she kind of has very few options unless she's, you know, has money. Okay, so would you say that a two-parented, monogamous, committed relationship is more successful than a one-parent home? Not necessarily. It depends on the relationship. I mean, if your parents are two people who hate each other, they're fighting all the time, no, or if the, the man's abusive or violent, then absolutely. he's a horrible we can role find model the, for his kids. We can find he's the repeating exception. that same cycle. Everyone's miserable. They're learning to add patterns so no not necessarily no not sure, necessarily if it's a healthy loving relationship great it's great to have two people around for sure okay so in general terms i think the outliers and the extremes are where where you know evil exists but for the most part i think that well and we've seen this in the states when when they started granting welfare benefits to women that didn't have men in the home guess what happened a lot of men weren't in the home and i think it's cost us dearly like it might be you might even be able to draw the comparison to us killing god type of thing the you know the quote finger quotes god you know the the idea that there's a higher power and something to uh answer to later but you know we've saw what happens in the in, in the early 1900s it was a 90% father, mother, offspring setup in the States. Now it's less than 50. It's, it's around 
And I don't think I it's mean, how, I think we're paying. I wouldn't advocate for men leaving. Of course, I think men should stick around and, right. and help raise their kids and, you know, be in a partnership with their partner and participate mm-hmm. in their families and be there, right? I think that's good, unless, of course, he's a total asshole. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I also will say that I don't think that it's, you know, there's... There's animals who, for example, are matrilineal. So when the babies are born, they're raised by the females, um, and the men leave. Like lions do that, right? Well, and it's functional. So it's not. I don't think that across the board, I would necessarily agree that always a two-parent man-woman household is best. I think that the best thing is that kids have people there for them to raise them and love them and look out for them and take care of them. Gotcha. Talk to me a little bit. Do you think we live in a rape culture? So, okay. I don't tend to use that term that often. What's it mean to you? Because I think people, when you say that, I think people think of different things. Okay, so what's it mean Um, to you? What's rape culture mean to you? Well, I don't. I don't think I want to use that term. So I'm okay. not going to use it. But uh, I like. I talk about patriarchy, and I talk about porn culture. And when I talk about porn culture, I mean this thing where pornography has main, been mainstreamed and mm. sexualized, or violence has been sexualized and normalized, and like the kind of misogynistic violent, abusive, degrading acts that we see in pornography have really been normalized. And that connects to rape because, of course, in pornography there's lots of gang rape fantasies and there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of pornography that fetishizes you know, women crying and being in pain while they're being, all these things are being done to them. Um, So I guess that's what I talk about more often than I do rape culture. That said, I do think that what's also been normalized in, uh, as part of all of this um, and within a patriarchal society is this kind of male entitlement and male aggression um, and you know pressuring women and not wanting to take no for an answer and things like that. That said, I, do, I will say that I think that uh, something that I do disagree with, which I haven't talked about very much because it's sort of probably an unpopular thing to say, uh, within feminism is this sort of painting everything as rape. <laughs> like, I think that there's things that are painted as or called sexual assault or rape that are not rape or sexual assault, and it's just this guy being an entitled asshole. And I think it's okay to say, yeah, this guy is a misogynist. This guy's an asshole. This guy was disrespectful to me. This guy didn't pay attention to my feelings. This guy, you know, pressured me. And I don't think that it's necessary in order to be critical of that to call it rape. I think that's a problem. It's like, you want to send this guy to jail because he acted like a dick? Like, we need to draw a line somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just looking for a clear answer because I think if I was to guess what your answer would be on that, even though you don't like the term, it's been thrown around quite a lot. And feminists which you i mean yourself described as a radical feminist i am a feminist and just really critical hey, i'm a feminist too except feminism. it's such a it's such a uh, seriously i am a feminist i've been one for a long time but it's such a dirty word to me now because i don't 
agree with the narratives. One, that we live in a rape culture. Two, if you want to look at this supposed gender pay gap, it just is bullshit. Women have babies. They're out of the workforce longer. Men do dangerous jobs. They're e men are more likely to relocate. They have this unbelievable uh, dedication to like having a bigger check than the guy next to him, not held by women, not most women. Again, stereotypes are there for a reason type of thing. So, um, you know, I've, I've, I've really, I'm really having a hard time with these false narratives because the gender pay gap has been like debunked hundreds of times by all kinds of people, but it still gets keep getting chirped out there. Just like the, the, this fact by the left that one in five or one in four women are subject to rape on campus. And that's just, it's not even, it's so much a lie, it, but it's so far off that. And just like you said, when they do these, these studies, you know, sexual harassment or rape or whatever the stats could be, is something like, you know, a guy leaning in for a kiss when, and and catching a cheek rather than a, a set of lips you know like it's just it's self-reported and i just i'm i'm not buying we punish rapists viciously um and now well, men I mean, men are more fair, vulnerable like most against rapists don't end up in jail right like most men and who that's actually a whole do other, rape that's a whole other don't I, end up in jail and aren't charged but i mean i i do think that it's important that like we don't Exaggerate. I don't think that we need to exaggerate or stretch the truth or categorize things as rape that aren't rape in order to criticize men's behavior or to criticize men's violence. Um, men are, of course, more violent than women. Men perpetrate most violent crimes and are responsible for most rapes. Um, and well, what you're saying you... around those statistics might well be true. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but I think that... You know, I think that rapes do happen on campus, and I think that men's behavior in terms of sex and how they approach sex, uh, how they treat women, really does need to be criticized either way. All right, gotcha. Okay. So we talked about a couple <laughs> things. We kind of danced around a little bit. The patriarchy and um, capitalism. So give me... Hierarchies exist. They've existed for a long time um, in all kinds of different species. Um, I'm not opposed to hierarchy. I just want to make that clear because I actually disagree with people who say that they oppose all hierarchies. I don't think hierarchy is necessarily a bad thing. I think that we should have hierarchies, in fact, because I think that we need wise women and we need elders and we have no respect for our elder women in society in particular. But, I mean... I think it's crazy that it's like what we're supposed to treat like an 18 year old with the same respect as a 60 year old like right. 18 okay, year olds so are idiots I guess I was an idiot when I was 18 I'm not insulting other 18 year olds I was an idiot you know like okay, so naturally you have more knowledge when you're older and I think that some people should be in positions of power right. or leadership at least we need leaders God so my assertion would be that there's not a law there's not a um, corporate uh, policy in Western society right now that oppresses women. Would you take issue with that statement? 
There's not a law that oppresses there's women? There's not a law. There's not any, you know, there's nothing that's stopping women from doing everything that a man could do if they wanted to right now in the Western uh, culture. For, okay, like in Canada. Well, Western, the Western civilization, let's say North America or any, any, any civilization that prescribes to the Western, I mean, Western civilization has a, a strong influence of Christianity in it, you know, like. Don't kill. Don't rape. Don't I cut. think that at this point in the in the West, uh, legislation is not the biggest problem. I think that the biggest problem, like I think that the things that oppress women in our society, are more about they're they're just kind of more subtle. They're not overt. Um, but I mean, of course, it's also worth noting that in the U.S., there are still a lot of women who don't have access to abortion. So that's a law that I consider oppressive to women because I think people or women should be able to choose whether or not they give birth. Okay, so would you agree on that point then that you're prioritizing life and saying that the host... I'm prioritizing real live women over a fertilized egg. Well, so would you not agree that when when conception takes place, that's when life is conceived? Uh... I mean, I think that an egg is not a fetus. A fertilized egg is not a fetus. That's not, no, but it's you know, a and I don't it's think separate... that women are, I don't think women should, I mean, giving birth is a big freaking deal. You it's think? not nothing. It changes your whole life. <laughs> it changes your body. Really? You think? It can be really dangerous. And if a woman doesn't have, like, if she doesn't want to have a kid, if she doesn't have the means to have a kid, and then the state's not going to support her, like, is the state going to force her to give birth and then not help her out financially? Like, she doesn't have the money to raise a kid and she doesn't want to, she shouldn't have to. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm going to prioritize real live human women over a fertilized egg. Okay, so when's life start for you then? Once the baby is born. Wow. So you can have a nine-month abortion. <laughs> no. You can I'm be nine months pregnant. Argument. You can roll up to a clinic no, in I'm Canada and say, argument. take this thing out <laughs> and flush still, it down the drain. I still think that a woman's life is more important than an unborn fetus. Okay. So you're prioritizing the life of the host, the woman, the bearer yeah. of another life. But you will agree that it's another life. No, well, actually, you won't agree. You don't think it's sure, a life it's until it comes out yeah. of the... So, but you just said, but it's not a life until it's born or delivered. I say that when those two eggs, when the egg and the sperm come together, that is the start of a new being. No, and from there until birth. Because that happens all the time and we don't even, you're not even aware of it because it just disappears. I mean, then you're just arguing against any kind of birth control. Like, what if I take a morning after pill? Is that the same as, like, aborting a baby? Well, it's not the same as aborting a baby at nine months, but you are... I'm def- not suggesting that people... No, no, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you would, months, but. but you are technically, if they're, in my opinion, um, life starts at conception, so if you take the morning after pill and there was conception, then you are ending a so life... So you think these 12-year-old girls who, like, get raped by their grandfathers or whatever in the Dominican Republic should be forced to give birth? Do you know how uncommon that stat is? But it happens. It's so rarely. Because of it, abortion laws. It's a well. It's not as rare. But it happens. Yes. But would you? So would you make an exception for those girls? Um, I think I'm not sure. I think you have to come down. Either. I mean, it's not healthy for a 12 year old girl to give birth. Goodness. 
Well, you know, that's pretty dangerous, amen. right? But I don't want to take the, the debate down the rabbit hole of extremism that very rarely happens. <laughs> you know, trans, we talked about transgenderism or uh, gender dysphoria. I mean, this sounds like, I mean, I didn't know this, but I just heard that there is a condition, there's a medical condition, I don't know what it's called, but some people actually believe that they should only have one arm. And so if, totally. they, if they walked into a doctor's office and they said, take my arm off because I identify as a one-armed human being, they would yeah. classify them with this mental disorder. And totally. And it's like, it's the same thing. And I don't know why people aren't pretending it's the same thing. Same thing as like a white person who like thinks that they're a black person. I can't identify whatever. as a, a like, five foot tall Chinese you're woman. deluded. <laughs> Like who, so, yeah, like what doctor is so, going to be like, sure, I'll take so, your arm off. If you really believe you don't have an arm, then exactly. let me get rid of this for you and help you out. So similar to that argument, that is a very um, uncommon condition, okay? So is transgenderism, actually. it's I think 99.7% mm -hmm. of the people look down at their sexual junk, sorry for lack of tact, and say, yeah, I'm good with it. A very, very, very small, and I wouldn't wish this on anyone. I can't. I can never imagine looking down and going, "That's the wrong parts. I want the other parts." Like, I can't. Yeah, imagine. it would be horrible. I mean, oh. if you really, genuinely, really believe that you're in the wrong body, and you wow. look at your body but every single day, and we're like, "This is the wrong body," and you were so upset and disturbed by it, I think that would be horrible. Yeah. So where I'm and going I don't with think that this. we should not have sympathy towards people like that or try to help them out. Exactly. But I think that now transgenderism isn't even defined on that basis. I think that some people genuinely are suffering from this mental condition Absolutely. called gender dysphoria, if that's what you want to call it. But I sometimes call it like body dysmorphia, like sort of similar to what anorexics experience, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Where you're seeing a fat person and, mm -hmm. and you're actually dangerously thin and dying. Mm -hmm. um, and no one would argue, I would hope no one would argue that we should support anorexic people in that belief and say, yeah, yeah, you are you are really fat, and you should eat less, and you should diet because you're huge. Right, you while are. they're killing themselves, right? right? So the 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 parallel I'm trying to draw is that similar to a guy that thinks he should only have one arm, and similar to the vast minority, there's such a minority of people that suffer from gender dysphoria. Similarly, very few twelve year olds are raped by their uncle. I mean, so we're not going to have a discussion about abortion for something that almost never happens. Well, I think we happens. should discuss it because that kind of thing happens. And it's it really hardly ever thing. happens, though. It hardly ever happens. <laughs> There's, let's say, I don't know, 300,000 abortions in the States every but year. But these laws in, like, the Dominican Republic that don't make exceptions for victims of rape or for kids, I mean, good Lord, that's extreme. So out of 300,000 abortions in the States last year let's say every year i you know i think women should be able to have abortions if they want to got that's it. my position and so my point is that, i think that's their right and you've you've already admitted to the fact that yes you're prioritizing life that the woman's life is more important than the the, the child living inside her and she has yeah. the right to decide whether that child lives or dies right got it okay she cool. All right. Now, where are we going to find common fertilized ground? Fertilized egg. If we, <laughs> hey, fertilize, is a fertilized egg right up until birth? I don't know. No, 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 no. What about when they can feel pain? or when they I can think we can find common ground on this idea that biological sex is real, that males and females exist, 
Males and females are not literally the same, and that it's impossible to be born in the wrong body, and that you can't change your sex just because you're turned on by wearing women's clothes or because you're suffering from some kind of mental illness or because you really desire it. All right, so let's hang our hat on the only thing that we've been able to agree (laughs) on so far, capitalism. Capitalism (laughs) is raising poor people faster. The UN had a resolution, I think, 15 years ago that they were going to half- um, po- world pop, uh, world poverty uh, by in twelve years or something, and in ten years it was accomplished. Like capitalism is responsible for lifting more people out of poverty than anything else. Also, I think capitalism also is the most effective tool to to this egalitarianism that is so sought after. Like you know, you're a socialist, but. Mm-hmm. Socialists. So I don't think don't that anybody should record. not have a home or not have access to food or not have access to health care. I think that it's crazy that in the U.S. people have to go into tens of thousands of dollars of debt if they get sick. I mean, that's inhumane. I think that it's inhumane that any person should have to live outside and suffer and not have access to healthy food and the care that they need. So socialism, good capitalism bad you're an anti-capitalist you hey you are you are the victim and i say victim pejoratively is that the right term uh in quotes uh of a capitalistic society you live a pretty damn good life in a capitalist society i don't call myself a victim of a capitalist society certainly there's people who are worse off than me no i mean you are Um, the beneficial victim position than other people because i'm working class so you know i uh, I don't own property, so I'm I'm subject to the whims, whims of my landlord in a very expensive city here in Vancouver. But don't you think that um, capitalism is less prone to tyrannical control than socialism? I mean, socialism doesn't have a very good track record, right? Well, not really, because now we live in the society where, like, a few people own most of the the majority of the wealth. And uh, where corporations are free to continue making as much money as possible without any concern for the people they exploit in order to make those profits. So then wealth redistribution? Corporations control a whole lot of stuff in our society. And I mean, I think that can become pretty tyrannical. Absolutely, you can. So, are you, I guess you're. I mean, here we have Twitter, a huge company, deciding what people are allowed to say. Well, that's a private <laughs> company too, right? They, they, I mean, a private company has the right to do whatever they want. And, and uh, hey, I'm in, on your side with free speech, but um, you know, it's a private company. YouTube's doing the same thing right now. It's a private company, but they advertise themselves as sort of like they present themselves as this space for people to talk and debate and to communicate and to share information and ideas. That's the point of Twitter, right? This conversation could get me shut down from YouTube just by having a casual conversation with someone I've never met, never spoken to, know very little about, was attracted to because of, uh, I think, I'm not sure who tweeted it out first, but I, I I was moved to action when Dave Rubin said, can we talk? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, Jim Fannin show. Well, I want to talk to you too. And you're very generous about saying, no problem. So I appreciate that. But uh, I mean, I like talking to people. I think I like I I think it's so crazy that people don't want to talk to each other. Like I'm not like I I think I said to you earlier. I'm not afraid of 
opinions that I don't like or disagree with. It doesn't make me feel offended or hurt. Like, people can disagree with me as much as they want, and I think that having these debates in general is good. I mean, yeah, we should draw the line when people are literally inciting genocide or literal violence, but, I mean, opinions, no matter how wrong you might think they are, how abhorrent you think they are, no matter how different they are than you, opinions aren't bad, and I genuinely think that if we were having more public debate and more public conversations, we'd be better off. For sure. Now, also, I I will kind of draw your attention to the fact that, for the most part, if you if you look at a distribution on, on a graph, the bell curve, the fat part of it, I mean, 95% of us are in there, and we kind of subscribe to the same values. It's the wing nuts out on the extremes that have the loudest voices right now, and I think they've convinced the moderate middle, the majority, the vast majority of us in the middle, that these extremists on the end actually have a majority because CNN gives them a platform or whoever gives them a platform. But also, I think the idea that, you know, society suffers from some ills. And when things are not working, solutions come from the extremes mostly. Mostly from people that are thought as radical, extremist, crazy people, jailed. And then, you know, eventually the moderate middle goes, no, wait a second. Maybe that wacko that's in jail actually had a point. I mean, he'd be dead by then, but... Eventually, we come around. If a solution works for us, we come around. But those solutions are mostly born on the extremes. Have you ever given that consideration? That sometimes the, uh, you know, the extreme radicals sometimes are the ones that bring the solution to the party that helps mankind be better? I mean, people kind? <laughs> uh, possibly. I, th- I mean, I think I'd need a more specific example to be able to respond. But, I mean, because I'm not sure exactly who you're referring to and you're talking about the extremists because I consider like trans activists to be kind of extremists like these people who are going around uh, bullying everybody into adopting this like their religion like their dogma right like Mm. this irrational incoherent ideology that they're forcing down people's throats and now threatening to criminalize anyone who disagrees and calling it hate speech or hate crime to to call a man a man instead of a woman if he wants you to call him a woman. So I guess I'm not, yeah, exactly sure mm. who we're talking about here. So uh, we talked about oppression a little bit. Um, I really appreciate your time. I'm going to wrap it up soon because I know it's, uh, well, it's getting late for me. I've been so excited to talk to you today, but two hours or three hours that I had in anticipation had me wound tight as a drum. <laughs> um, I I, uh, I want to just bring this up as, as something for you to ponder. I mean, um, I already told you, you know, I don't think women are weak and need to be protected, although, you know, the man traditionally, once the woman gave birth, was there to kill food and protect the family. I mean, so don't you think that we've all, we're all oppressed in one way or another? You know, men certainly commit suicide in way more successful uh, campaigns than women do. Uh, women I think may... we are all kind of oppressed in one way or another, and I do think that that has a lot to do with capitalism because I think that working-class people really do suffer, and I think their lives are kind of stolen from them. So I also think that those men are getting the shaft, you know? Like, I think that it oppressive 
for people that have to spend, you know, the vast majority of their lives at work instead of with their families or, you know, having time to do things that they enjoy or getting enough sleep or, you know, leading healthy lifestyles. I mean, people really work themselves to death. Megan Murphy, I really appreciate your time. Uh, how can people get a hold of you if they want to support? Well, I guess they well, can. Well, hopefully can I'll get back you on, on Twitter. Twitter. It's <laughs> You're still on Facebook. Um, I'm Facebook I'm on Facebook right under now. Megan Murphy. I'm on Twitter at uh, Megan E. Murphy. Uh, my website is feministcurrent.com. So if people want to email me, they can email me through the contact form at, at feministcurrent.com or they can email me at megan at feministcurrent.com. And I did edit the post here. I added your name to it. I don't know if you got that on Facebook now. But I did see it, yeah, yeah. You should be able to share it, I think. And, okay. And um, I appreciate your time. I hope you get some more pub for this. I hope uh, Ruben picks you up and Crowder picks you up and Shapiro. Oh, I'd love to see you go on with Shapiro. Uh, I'm not sure that. Yeah, I would. Do, I'd do that. I'd do that. <laughs> uh, Shapiro's brilliant, man. He's, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of time for people that don't pretend to be anything but what they are. You know, like this idea. Uh, that, authenticity is such a yeah. uh, like underappreciated thing. Like it's yeah. like that's what I like most about people is that if they're authentic and they mean what they say and they're making smart arguments and they're being, you know, they have intellectual integrity. I have so much more respect that for that than like any kind of faker, pontificator, virtue signaler. Even if I disagree with these people, we didn't even get into. I'm glad you brought that up. We we didn't even talk about Justin Trudeau. Speaking of virtue signaling, (laughs) what a douche! You know, yeah. And I was so hopeful. The naivety of me watching him walk his cabinet down uh, whatever Rideau Boulevard or whatever the hell it's called, going to Parliament Hill or whatever Parliament Hill, going to the House. What and 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 actually having hope and thinking, oh, it's a new day. Well, Harper was, oh, Harper was unbelievable. I was happy when Trudeau won, and then he just turned out to be kind of but this, this useless one, and cowardly, I thought. Well, the quota system. You know, if you have a vagina, you're going to be in the cabinet because it's 2016, and that's the way it goes. I'm like, you know what? Let's just put the best person in the job. But I even then, I was hopeful that it would work out and that we we're going down... I want humanity to be a better place for my child whenever it gets here type of thing. Same. For, for basic... Hey, that's something we have in common. <laughs> no, we don't have that in common because I'm still convinced that I will have a child and you hate children, so we're not... I don't hate all children. I just don't like most of them. And I don't want one living in my house. I <laughs> love them. I get in staring contests with them at the grocery store. I say hi to them before their mothers or fathers. Always, always, always. Kids, oh, I just, I love them to bits. But uh, this. Uh, there you go. You're more nurturing than I am. Maybe you have a you woman go. trapped inside your body. <laughs> Higher estrogen levels. Okay, Megan, I appreciate the time. It's uh, It's been really cool. I appreciate your uh, honesty and your openness. And uh, I got a few comments here. And uh, maybe we'll touch you up again soon when, you, when you're a bad girl and get your wrist slapped. And Twitter <laughs> actually, would it suspend you per- permanently oh, like they God, did I Owen not. Benjamin? I think, I think they, they're trying to, but I hope not. I think uh, Owen Benjamin got suspended permanently for racist slurs because he wrote a, a comedic song using the n-word 
But uh, have you seen the Hodge twins? These two black guys. No. Wow. No. They're uh, they are funny and they love that term. And uh, ah, I used to like a day when we could poke fun at each other and and call each other racist slurs like we did in grade school or when we're <laughs> at work, and it was okay and nobody was, you know, triggered and offended. I mean, I don't think it's really necessary to use racist slurs, but I, I will. I mean, I will. I'm just thinking people are I way too con- uptight about it. <laughs> concede that people are overly sensitive. MJ, <laughs> my producer fell asleep on me. What a guy. All right, Megan, we're going to cut you loose. I appreciate the time. Let's stay in touch, and good luck. Uh, let me know if I can help you out any on your journey. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was good to talk to you. Yeah, appreciate talking to you, too. Okay, Ciao. bye-bye. Talk soon. Megan Murphy, my guest, that was uh, pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I wanted to have her on. And uh, what do you know? It seems like uh, we came to a couple agreements on nothing, absolutely nothing. Anyway, uh, you know how to get a hold of me. You can like, you can subscribe, you can hit the notification button. Hey, Facebook, I'm, I'm turning you off, and I'm going to hide this video. Because, well, we've got a better video over here with the um, with the mics. No, Megan, you're fine. If you're still watching, if you didn't hang up on me, you're all good. We say goodbye, and I'm still talking. It's my show. Beat it. She just texted me. Did I, oops, did I hang up on you? No, you didn't. Uh, we're good. And so this will be up on Facebook. Uh, thanks for listening. John Pantalon. 50 himself. He's glad he doesn't have any kids. I don't have any kids walking around, but uh, there's still hope for me. Uh, A lot of people joined in here, so I appreciate uh, you guys checking it out. And I'm going to hide this video. You know, I should turn the video. Can you hear MJ? Can you hear MJ snoring? Okay, we're going to sign off. We'll talk to you later. My engineer is going to fall asleep on me. snoring? I talked to the poor kid out. That's when I hit the finish button.